Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. How in the world am I going to give 10% you know, to the church? And you're talking like every paycheck? Are you kidding me? How in the world can I survive? You know what I tell people like that? You know what? You pray. You see where God wants you to start. You see what, what, what God would lead you in being faithful to Him. Others come and say, well, you say 10%. Now, is that 10% of the gross or is that 10% of the net? And you start doing I say, you know what? Throw out all that stuff. Go back to this idea of a willing heart. Do you, do you want to be found faithful? Well, yes, I do. Then pray. And then make a commitment. Make a commitment that you're willing to stick with. A standard level for financial giving within the Christian church has often been 10% of one's income, which is based on biblical examples. However, Pastor David says the most important test is giving what God wants you to give out of a cheerful heart. Therefore, the principle of 10% is a guideline but God may call you to give and do more. Giving to the work of God is not simply a financial transaction. Rather, it is meant to be a gift offered within a loving relationship. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message, Financial Responsibility. Look at verse 14. But by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathers much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Equality. Equality comes in first in a willing mind. In other words, you know what? I just decided I'm going to be faithful in this area in my life. And Lord, I'm seeking for your leading and direction. I don't care what you're giving. I don't care what you're giving. I'm trying to find out, Lord, what do you want me to give? Where do you want me to be in this? How do you want me to be involved in the stewardship of my life? And then the equality also comes in the fact of, not according to what you do not have. And again, that gets back to the deal. Man, if I get that raise, then I'll go ahead and tithe. Or man, if I just had uh, a little bit more money, then I could give. No, he's not saying. It's not according to what you don't have. It's where you're at right now. Just being faithful with where you're at right now. The, the idea of equality actually comes to us from the Old Testament standard. And what was the Old Testament standard? A simple percentage basis. Just a percentage basis. Remember, about a surrendered heart, first, a willing mind, not the dollar amount. He said, according uh, to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And however, even, even today, even in New Testament times, a lot of believers feel that the tithe, the 
is just a good standard, a good, a good starting point in the discipline of our lives. And yet I know that there's some believers that say, whoa, are you kidding me? I'm like 10% in the hole at the end of the month. How in the world am I gonna give 10% you know, to the church? And you're talking like every paycheck? Are you kidding me? How in the world can I survive? You know what I tell people like that? You know what, you pray. You see where God wants you to start. You see what, what, what God would lead you in being faithful to him. Others come and say, well, you say 10%. Now, is that 10% of the gross or is that 10% of the net? And you start doing, I say, you know what? Throw out all that stuff. Go back to this idea of a willing heart. Do you, do you want to be found faithful? Well, yes, I do. Then pray and then make a commitment. Make a commitment that you're willing to stick with. Malachi, the Lord tells us, trust me, try me, prove me, says the Lord. Bring the tithe, the 10%, to the storehouse. You trust me in that. You test me. The only place we find where the Lord says, go ahead and test me on that one. He says, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Does that mean I'm going to get a lot of money back? No, no. In fact, it's probably going to be even harder for you because the enemy doesn't want you to be found faithful in that. Because you're trusting of God, you're, you're wanting to trust God in your life, and the enemy doesn't want you to trust God. Why, my goodness, you start trusting God, God might come through. Then what's the enemy going to do? Then your trust grows and grows and grows. A lot of folks struggle with it. Just begin someplace. Watch God in action and then allow him to mature you from there. For some, unimaginable. While for others, they've been able to find, again, as they've trusted God in every other area of their lives, they can trust him in that area. And his work of grace is amazing how he meets their needs according to his riches in glory when we are found faithful in those areas of our lives. Let me give you a couple of more statistics real quick. This is from another website. I did not go to this website on purpose. You need to understand that, church. I did not go to this website on purpose. This was simply a link from one of the others because this website is www.tithing.com. Okay, I don't know who built a website or whatever, but they, they had some great quotes and some great statistics in there. Let me give you just one. If members of historically Christian churches in the United States had raised their giving to the Old Testament's minimum standard of giving, 10%, in just the year 2000, an additional $139 billion would have become available for Christian based works, $139 billion in one year, in one year. Think about that for a moment. I need to take a quick break here, give a little caveat for you so you understand where I'm at. I don't know who gives what when, okay? I don't want to know who gives what when. And please, Don't give me a check 
to put in the offering plate for you. And whatever you do, don't give me cash, because I, I may go get a donut or something on that. So I don't want to know what you give or who gives what. I'll simply point to you where the blessing boxes are. If you miss the offering plate, we got three blessing boxes in here and one in the foyer. We give you plenty of opportunity to give here, okay? So now with that understanding, think about this for a moment. If all the church, if all the church gave the same percentage of their income that you give per year, Would we be able to expand the work of the ministry? Or would we need to close down a portion of the ministry? Just think about that for a moment. And I'm not talking dollar amounts. I'm just talking percentages. But if everybody gave the same percentage, would the ministry be able to reach further into this community and further around the world? and do a better job at discipling the saints here? Or would we have to shut down some things? If each family gave the same percentage as you, would we be able to hire a full-time youth pastor? Or would we be forced to let one or more of our current staff go if everybody gave the same percentage you gave? And while we're on the subject, since my neck's already sticking out there, If each person in the fellowship volunteered and served in the same way that you volunteer and you serve, would there be a waiting line for Sunday school teachers or for people taking care of the building or serving in missions outreaches? Or if people volunteered and served in the same way that you do, Would we need to cancel Sunday school, cancel youth group, cancel the nursery, cancel mission trips, and just every once in a while hold church? I know those are hard questions, but I think there's questions that we all need to ask ourselves as believers. I say, I'm a committed believer? Really? Where are you committed at? What is your commitment to Christ? A willing heart, sacrificial giving through hearts of humility, not only finances, but in every area of your life. When you look at men like Titus that, that Paul writes about here, and a score of other men that stood with Paul, when you read the, the letters of Paul, he'll begin with some or he'll end with some. When he writes Timothy, he's talking about all these. Hey, he writes the letters to the churches, so-and-so sends their greetings, so-and-so sends their greetings. Oh, yeah, they, these guys, man, they're, they're, they send their greetings to you. Uh, scores of people that Paul uh, refers to. You need to understand that ministry is a group project. Okay, it is a group project, not a Lone Ranger uh, adventure. Okay, we don't need a Lone Ranger adventure. It takes the involvement of many in many ways time, talents, and treasure to be able to accomplish the work and the ministry for God's kingdom. Yes, even here in this place called Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. 
Paul had many that went before him, with him, and even after him on those missionary journeys. Man, he'd go and he'd plant a church and others had come alongside that start discipling and, and growing the church and Paul would go and plant another church and others would come along and come alongside him there to support him and encourage him. Even when Paul went to jail, man, there was a lot of them that came and sat with him and encouraged him and took care of his needs. So if I go to jail, so hopefully some of you is gonna show up, right? Okay, that, that's because work of ministry is a group project. He wanted the church of Corinth to receive these men that, that he's, he's sending forward with this encouragement, with this message. He wanted them to receive them just as if Paul himself were there. Look at verse 16. He said, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. I'm wondering there, when he went on his own accord, I wonder if he just paid for that plane ticket out of his own pocket. He wasn't worried about anything else. He took the expense upon himself. He says, hey, I need to go to Corinth. Well, we don't have the funds to do that right now. That's okay. And I've been saving up for a rainy day, and looks like it might be raining in Corinth. We'll, we'll go down there. He went on his own accord. Maybe he had a Honda, I don't know, but uh, never mind. Uh, Verse 18, but we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So there's another unnamed one here that's going with Titus. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which he administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not in the sight of the Lord, but also, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. One thing Paul is trying to drive home here is this accountability. He says, man, I've got some, I've got some ace people that are coming and, and they're gonna be carrying this gift. They're gonna be the ones that are accountable for all of it. And beloved, accountability that comes from a group of honest men or women with integrity is something that we need within the church on a continual basis, not just simply one person. Paul explains that he's avoiding any kind of suspicion of wrongdoing, either in the handling or in the disperse or the receiving or in the disbursement of the gift. They want to do all things in an honorable way, as he says, in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Paul wants to, the church to know that he has absolute full confidence in Titus and in these others that are gonna be going with him. Paul knew it was best to have that checks and balances in place when it came to finances. The handling of finances is one of the great downfalls of many ministries, the handling of finances, because again, if you're not doing it right, it's so easy to do it wrong, so easy. Rather it be actual wrongdoing or simply the appearance of wrongdoing, the church needs to set guards in those areas as well as in others. And just for your information, you as the church family here, Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, 
We have multi-level checks and balances set in place for the caretaking, for the stewardship of the financial responsibilities in order that we can do all things in an honorable way in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. You may or may not know it, and this isn't really part of a Bible study as much as it is just the practicality of ministry. But when the gifts are received, there's always two or three non-related individuals that handle it. So in other words, it's not a husband and wife that go and take care of it, or a mother or daughter. No, it's always two unrelated individuals, or two or three. Then we, we have two other people, differing and rotating people, that count and prepare the deposits. And then we have others then that record it into the accounting program of who gave what. And it goes in the accounting program. That's all we need to know. One other individual then writes the checks and then one or two others can sign them. And then we give a regular accounting of the finances to the board of elders, both our income and our expenses, designated as well as general funds, and it's open to any question or any concern. You need to know that your pastors do not handle the money. We don't post contributions. Uh, We don't write checks. Uh, On occasion, we will write a check, just simply, hey, we need a quick check to take care of this or to pay this. But by and large, all that's done through the accounting program, and then it's given to us to sign. We want to be found faithful in the stewardship of your finances, which are really whose finances, church? The Lord's, yes. So we want to be found faithful in that. We count all those who do handle the money to be trustworthy. There's always at least two people present when counting, and that checks and balances as far as the amounts. Now, before we come to a close of this, I want to say one thing real quick about Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Through the years, we've had good years and bad years. We've had years where we've had a little bit of extra money. No, no, we've never had a huge amount of money. I think the Lord knows my heart, okay? Give him a lot of money, he's gonna go do something crazy. So, but the faithfulness of God's people is where I'm at right now. That's what I'm speaking. Your faithfulness in your giving and your submitting has blessed my heart over and over and over. Whenever there's been a need mentioned, and we don't know how that's gonna turn out, But you know what God does? And it's amazing how he meets those needs over and over and over. When I started looking at these, and this is just between you and me, and I know the radio, it's on the radio, but just pretend it's between you and me. Whenever I started doing this study and I started thinking all these percentages and stuff, and I'm thinking, wow, that's really crazy. And so I started thinking, well, how many people are part of our fellowship? Well, during this time of the year, we're about 400 people in all three services. Well, how many families is that? Well, you can divide that by 2.5 and then you get you know, so many. Well, it, it breaks down to probably just a little over 100 families. A little over 100 families. According to all the statistics and stuff, we, we look at you know, the median income of our community and all these things. Guess what? As an overall range, we're doing absolutely awesome. 
I'm blessed by that. But you know what else that tells me? Just because, again, experience and human nature, I know that some are giving well beyond. Well beyond. Why? Because they just trust the Lord, they love the Lord, and they want to receive that blessing. Because that makes up for the others that are still struggling in that area. They, they haven't quite gotten it. A couple of years ago, I preached a message that I titled, Tipping God. Tipping God. Because I really believe that the vast, maybe not the vast majority, but a majority of believers have that kind of stewardship mentality. It's been a good week, God. I'm going to give you a $20 tip. It's been a really good week, God. I'm going to give you a $50 tip. It's been a really rough week, God. You didn't meet all my needs. You don't get a tip today. And you see, that's not stewardship. When you and I get to that point in our Christian walk where we can fully trust God in every area of our lives, the stewardship of our time, our talents, and our treasures, you know what? We're going to see him work within our lives in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. How do I know that for sure? Two things. The Word of God and the testimony of His saints. And I've seen it over and over and over. Let me close with just the last couple of verses. Verse 23, he says, If anyone inquires about Titus, he's my partner. He's a fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, in other words, the other guys that are going with him, they're asking about them, you need to understand that they are messengers of the churches for the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul did not want to put anyone in a place representing the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, and representing himself, secondly, that he did not fully, completely trust. And for you and I as believers, for us as this church, we have men in position as elders that, again, I, I would say the same thing, man. They're partners. They're fellow workers. There's me, they are messengers for the church. They're guys that I would trust everything in my life with. Why? Because I've seen their lives. I've seen their lives in action. I've seen them through good times and through bad times and the consistency of those men. I think that God has blessed us with that to be able to walk in a way that, again, we as a fellowship can rest assured that the work and the plan of God is being worked out here. And by the way, this is extra, no charge, P.S., None of those guys are yes guys. None of them. In other words, just because this wise and almighty pastor comes up with a lame brain idea doesn't mean that it gets it passed, okay? Why? Because I depend upon those guys to be praying and seeking the mind of God also.
2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.